0: Hello, everyone. Welcome to the latest episode of Hardwood Knox. This is Adam Frommel here with my always fantastic co-host, Dan Valley, And we have an agonizingly prepared episode for you today because we're going over the all NBA teams, first team, second team and third team alike. And then because I can't help myself and made Dan go along for the ride, we even went beyond the third team. Because we just we want to provide that content for you, but this is this is an impossible exercise. Even though the NBA ultimately made it a little bit easier with some of the the weird positional allowances. As a side note, we should just get rid of positions altogether. But because right. we still do have the restrictions with two guards, two forwards, and one center. We do have to abide by them, but again, the league did make it a little bit easier by making Joel Embiid and Nikola Jokic eligible at both forward and center. Spoiler alert, we're both going to have them on the first team. So things like that do make this a little easier, but it does not make the overall process any less painful because ultimately, when you're forced to pick five people on your first team, five on your second and five on your third, you're going to leave people out. So we apologize in advance for anyone we offend. We offended ourselves doing this, so it's, uh, it's tough, and bear with us because a lot of thought went into these. Before we go into any of the All-NBA selections, though, I have to ask, Dan, how's it going?
1: I am spectacular. Just squeezed in a shoulder workout before we started recording. How about yourself? I'm, I'm feeling good. I feel like that was a good intro. It was a good intro, right to the point. The only thing you forgot is to remember to subscribe to the Hardwood Knox podcast that you were listening to, especially if this is your first time listening. And if you've already done all those things, following us on Twitter, IG, TikTok, all those links are in the podcast description. Join our Discord. Subscribe to us on YouTube. But also, if you have done all those things, like I said, help us get the word out. Retweet our promotions. Word of mouth. Tell your friends, family members, randos on social media or at work that you know uh, about us. If anyone you know likes basketball, just throw them this podcast. Help us grow the community that is already awesome. We're just trying to make it awesome-mer. We're getting really
0: close to that thousand subscribers on YouTube that we need for monetization there. My, my shameless endorsement of it, it, it yielded like 30 followers, 30 subscribers.: So I, was I pleased am curious with that.
1: how many came from that because we had viral videos for.: Do not take Adams. it away from me.: it was, They were all you, all 930, uh 44 subscribers on YouTube. I
0: get no me. questions asked for mailbags, so I'm taking this victory.
1: You can. I saw you, I was dealing with some others. I was actually at a wedding that I thought I didn't know was a wedding. Uh, when you sent that tweet, I was so flustered. I eventually ended up like bumping it as well. Once I had a minute to breathe because I was at a, a, a surprise wedding. That's a, that's a different story we don't need to get into. Let's get into the, that's all a phrase day you day. don't hear every day. Yeah. Uh, but congratulations to the newlyweds who just so happened to be my sister and her husband. I just didn't know <laughs> that she was getting married. That's not <laughs> weird at all. Right. That she didn't tell. No, it's totally normal. Uh, so first team, you already alluded to the Jokic and Mead thing. They're probably going to make them. I haven't seen anything definitive, whether they're going to make them eligible. uh, One of it was. Last year it was. If I've seen anything, I was off the grid for a little bit. I was traveling. So maybe I missed it. I vacillated on whether you should include them in the, the forward rankings because they don't play forward. Even anything functionally. Jokic, Kevin Arnavitz on the low post a few weeks ago was talking about that. Jokic is more point guard than power forward. If we're being actually honest. So, I'm with you. I'd like to get rid of positions. I feel too icky leaving one of them off the first team to care about diplomacy there. And so if you're going to let me put, and I would, if I'd have picked between the two, Jokic is the center. Yeah. And I'm going to put a beat it forward. If you're The way I me, look at it
0: is I think the same as you, where it's like, if the NBA is going to let us, we're trying to get the best players we can on these teams. So let's I do it.
1: I do wish I had more information though, because I might've messed with how I did some of the rest of the teams. Like DeRozan is a forward, clearly. Like he he mm-hmm. should be. But if he's eligible a guard, I might have done some like shenanigans because I—that's just spoiling later on in the discussion. So that's the one thing where it's like I didn't fudge positions all the time. So it makes me wonder if I should fudge them here. Ultimately, they're both going to make no worse than um, all second team. I think it impacts. Yes, there's the cachet of first team All NBA, but that that decision impacts Rudy Gobert in my book more than anyone else, or maybe Bam Adebayo. If you had him, is you're a third team big because I think the top three bigs this season are sort of cemented in, in stone at this point. So my first team was my MVP ballot. I had Jokic, Embiid, Giannis, Doncic, and Booker. So Doncic and Booker were my guards. Embiid and Giannis were my forwards, and Jokic was my center. You had. Do you want to go through your ballot before I go through what could be the potential problem spots for people?
0: Yeah, I had the exact same thing. I mean, we had the same top five MVP ballot. We had a long discussion about that on the episode before this one. So I I have the same thing. And just to follow up on the eligibility question, um, Mike Singer of the Denver Post was told on March 26th A small note. I'm told that both Nikola Jokic and Joel Embiid will be eligible at both forward and center on the all NBA vote. And then Mark Stein clarified that this is the third season in a row that they'll both be on the ballot at both positions. Okay. And then he said, as succinctly as I can sum this all NBA team stuff up after checking with the proper authorities, if Embiid or Jokic gets more center than forward votes, neither can make first team as a forward, no matter how high their total players get placed at the position, they get the most votes.
1: Interesting. So we could
0: we could end up with this weird scenario where so many like it's an even split, and half of them votes come in for Jokic at center, and and half of them come in for Embiid at center, and then neither is actually eligible, and neither of them are on the first team. I guess that would be fascinating.
1: That (laughs) God, (laughs) just get rid of positions already. But we yeah,
0: it's so dumb. Like we don't we don't subscribe to positions in almost any scheme these days on offense or on defense, really. And like, I've always heard the mantra that you are what you defend. So that's how I tend to think about positions more than their offensive roles. So to me, like Jokic is still very much a center because he plays in the interior, he plays some drop coverage and all that stuff. So like, to me, he's not a forward at all, but also who gives a shit because positions are, are irrelevant.
1: I'm with you, and that would be the one potential problem spot. The other, uh, Giannis is on first team. If you don't have Giannis on first team All NBA, I don't know what you're doing. That's a no-brainer. The Booker Doncic stuff. I think Doncic is a lock at first team, and if you put Booker on first team, that's where I'm assuming the other problem spot would be. Is are people going to prefer Steph? Are they going to prefer Ja? Are they going to prefer even a Trey Young or a uh, you know? Do, are they classifying Chris DeBone? Paul maybe a uh, Chris Paul? So my case for Booker. Is thus. There's, I did see the Suns tweeted out that everyone who's averaged 25, 5 and 5 for the best team in the league is one MVP historically. The rebound stuff are just, that's irrelevant to me. And this season is just such an anomaly when you look at what Jokic, Giannis, and and Embiid are doing anyway. I will say there has long been the debate of who's more important to the Suns, Booker or CP3. I even, when I was doing MVP ladders before Chris Paul's injury, I had him in the top five and I had Devin Booker outside the top five of the rankings. I think that playing time absolutely matters. And Booker has logged is going to log more minutes by a pretty substantial margin when you look at how much time Steph is going to miss. Then Curry, then CP3, then John Morant. That makes it easier. I also think that, like, yeah, maybe Chris Paul gives Phoenix's offense its shape and structure, but that's by both design and necessity where I feel like he has to domineer mm-hmm. the offense. And the fact that Booker can scale his game when you look at the way he moves off the ball or just the general – essence of him playing off um you know a primary ball handler or, or a ball dominant point guard there's value in that and the fact that he can toggle between that and then the role of hey i'm going to captain these units without him the suns are a plus 7.5 points per 100 possessions when he's playing without chris paul this season um 7.7 7, right? excuse me yeah that's really good that's about what the bucks are outscoring opponents overall with Giannis on the court Again, you can't scale those things perfectly, but that matters. He is also, when you're comparing him to CP3, logged like 500 possessions more as the solo star. I also think we tend to underrate, but yeah, there's a. We don't need to overcomplicate this. He is averaging about 26 points and five assists per game, shooting better than 50% on twos and almost 38% from three for the best team in the league. Like we don't need to overcomplicate that. I still feel like we don't appreciate his passing enough, and I keep coming back to this stat because he has routinely registered among the most effective passers among the 500 plus players who have logged at least 50 minutes this season booker ranks third and first among all non-point guards in assist to pass percentage adjusted and that is simply the percentage of passes by a player that turn into assists free throw assists or secondary assists so he is third in that category and first among all point guards and he is first in this category bar none since he exited health and safety protocols last month, that not surprisingly coincided with Chris Paul still being absent with that thumb injury. Devin Booker absolutely deserves to be in this discussion. If you're going to have someone else here, I think there's a case for it to be Steph, for it to be Ja. But when you also factor in that he's played more, the Sun's success with him alongside CP3 and without CP3, if I'm going to have him on my MVP ballot in the top five, that's why I felt comfortable putting him in the top five of MVP. And that's why I'm going to feel comfortable putting him first team all NBA. Now it gets weird. I don't know what the positional designations are going to be. If you, if LeBron or Kevin Durant, for some reason is eligible at guard, fine. Devin Booker having just the minute bump here. I'm going to, I'm going to drive that baby home. Like I think that availability still matters in this discussion. I might, I'm more inclined to throw it out the window in all NBA than I am for the MVP. But Devin Booker's been so good in a, I don't want to call it a hybrid role, but a hybrid role. And he, I'm not going to, you know, there's no shame in the fact that I think he's bolstered his case during the time that CP3 was out. I don't think sure. there's a shame in saying he did that.
0: No, I'm right there with you. And I do think as Booker has continued to expand his game, I feel like he's become the model for what every team is looking for when it inevitably experiments with having a two guard play the one. Because we saw it early in his career where you know they're going to try to squeeze him into lineups as the de facto point guard, live with the mistakes, see what he can do, see how he develops. And this is what you hope for. And oftentimes that experiment goes sideways. It's not continued. The skills aren't developed. It creates bad habits. This is what every team hopes for when it does that, because he is so seamlessly able to fill both a primary scorer and a primary distribution role. And it's I, I keep coming back to the idea like the numbers are all phenomenal. Just every every one of them looks great for him. He's typically not a player who's adored by advanced stats because he takes on such a hard offensive scoring role that his efficiency lum- numbers are a little bit lower. He's depressed in some of the, the catch-all metrics. That's changed this year. And yet to me, it's still more impressive the ease with which he's operated. It never looks like he's breaking a sweat. It's just his game has been so aesthetically pleasing this year. That it's it's just fantastic to watch. I would I would actually follow up your point about positional eligibility with LeBron and Durant specifically. Even if they were guard eligible, I don't think I'm putting either of them over him here. I just look, look, I don't the see the case.
1: It's just so like so steep there. Uh, there I ran into this problem between Tatum and Durant. I didn't know what to do with it because Tatum was like 900 minutes on Durant this season, yeah. which is 900 minutes is a lot. So. I'm with you. The other thing I wanted to ask you, this is anecdotally when you're considering other players that you could have put there, Steph, Ja, Donovan Mitchell, Trey young. I'm going to leave CP three off this because you're going to understand in a second. And then Devin Booker, those five guys, am I forgetting anybody else that you would have considered for that spot? No. Who among those five has been the best defensively this season? Well, Chris Paul would have been the easy answer. So that's I didn't include him. Yeah, that's why I left him off. He would have been the number six guy in that. I think Booker has. That's. I agree with you, and I just want to, one make sure that I'm not, you know, seeing. No, his he's
0: very clearly more engaged on that end. The reads are better. The rotations the, are smoother.
1: The past like two seasons, really, it feels like on the ball he's made. Uh, yeah. Whatever. He's just been better than people are going to say. So I just. Michael's I might score. say Jaw is second there. Since he came back from that first injury, he's definitely yeah. been different. I don't know that Donovan Mitchell has been that great there this year. He hasn't.
0: And his role is ultimately way easier because his job is to funnel things towards Grobert.
1: The other, the Donovan Mitchell, that stat that he's only averaging two passes a game to Rudy I Gobert. I saw that one
0: today wow. too. Had My
1: to Maples, but that was wild my anecdotal question for you is in light of what we
0: learned literally live on this episode about the positional eligibility stuff is Giannis the biggest lock for this team? Because if there's a chance that there's no chance, yeah. he's not making it none whatsoever, but there are scenarios in which one of the two, or that both could be centers. And then I don't know who's going to make it.
1: I think you're right because I, Doncic would probably be the, like the second most likely lock yeah just because I think Morant CP threes and even Steph's now Steph has played over 2000 minutes so let's make that clear that if you want to put Steph on first team I'm not going to argue with it but yeah I think you're right because Gian- yeah it's Giannis because he's in the top three in the MVP easily and that,
0: in a nutshell yeah. is why
1: these positions are so dumb right so that's a great it has to be him it has to be I would argue though that Jokic seems like more it does feel like Jokic is going to win MVP. And so if he's gonna win MVP. You're more sure of that than me right now. Uh I would bet a substantial amount of money on it. <laughs> you know, you can do that now. It's legal. I'm sure the odds aren't in my favor for that one. I should have done it. I couldn't believe Joel Embiid was the odds on favor for so long. And I just right. it's gonna be Jokic. So I should have that should have been my retirement plan. Is I should have divested whatever retirement portfolio I had, thrown it into Jokic's MVP odds, and I'd I'd be sweating bullets right now, but I might be sitting pretty in like a. Well, we don't find out. I'm the just. A,
0: I'm just impressed that as a sports writer, you have a retirement portfolio.
1: <laughs> so second team, then I think we can. So let's start with center because I feel like this is we know Jokic and Embiid aren't there now. Yeah, it's what we towns. Who do you have as your second team center?
0: It's towns, and it's pretty I, easily towns.
1: He is. I just he's so good. There was I don't know if you saw the clip the other night. The Timberwolves actually posted it of him just, like, working off the dribble, and I'm like, what the fuck? Like, this guy is just so good. And the
0: edge he's played with this season is awesome. It's like, last season was so understandably miserable for Towns. Just the the havoc that that COVID-19 wreaked on him and his family. Like, he understandably did not play basketball with just, like, the effusive joy that we've seen this year. And It's hard to believe that that hasn't made him more effective right now. Just he looks like he's having fun out there. You know, it's the little things like the willingness to make fun of a Russell Westbrook airball in the middle of a game, like stuff like that. Like we haven't seen that edge from him in the past where he's so clearly ridiculously skilled on the offensive end. And, And he's shown flashes of being at least a competent defender on the interior. Always been a great passer. I don't think there's much of a question that he's the best shooting big man of all time at this point. No disrespect to Dirk, but he simply didn't play in an era in which you were allowed to shoot 10 threes a game like this. And you can make a case for Kevin Durant because he's basically seven feet tall, but he's not really a big.
1: I think so to has, me, like, the Dirk case is also like his off the dribble jumpers and yeah. fadeaway jumpers, which is stuff that Towns isn't, that's not part of his role because that's also something mm. that's been weeded out of the game for right. a lot of it. So to me, that's Towns, but like all of that has been true
0: for a while, but now just, I keep coming back to that edge. Just like he wants it this year and he's getting it.
1: It's like someone took Patrick Beverly's essence, applied it to Carl Anthony Towns offense, but still made Carl Anthony Towns likable. Unlike Patrick Beverly. I also give, I give credit to Carl Anthony Towns for, it seems like he's embraced sort of Anthony Edwards playing this leadership role where Edwards Mm has said publicly, and it's very uplifting shit, but if you're the the veteran or this has been your team and Edwards comes in and he's telling you like, that's how I need you to play every night. You could technically take that the wrong way. I'm sure he did when Jimmy Butler did, did that. So, <laughs> a little bit.
0: I heard there were some explosive practices or something and the edge was not coming from
1: Towns. So yeah, a tour de force, you might say. but yeah, something
0: like that. Maybe a pre-planned interview to say that. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so, I, I give Carl Anthony Towns credit for like, taking that in stride and, and just still fitting into the larger scope of the team while he's doing this, but he's been absolutely ridiculous. It's not even a question for me of between him and Rudy Gobert anymore for, for this spot uh, specifically. So that, and I think would Bam at a bio have a case if he played more, yes. maybe,
0: I think maybe I I was, you know, spoiler here, but I was between Bam and Rudy Gobert for my third team spot. I thought I think, that was a much closer I would love to know who the other candidate was that you would have been. Playing. Jared Allen, but just didn't play enough. But I, I, my point being, I thought Bam and Gobert were way closer than Gobert and Towns this year.
1: Yeah, I agree. I agree with that. The forwards is where things get a little wonky. Do they?
0: To me, to me, the second team forwards were the easy part, and the guards is where it got
1: really tricky. Well, tell me your second team forwards, and I'll let you know. I think it has to be Durant and Tatum. Okay. I have LeBron and I have, I was between Tatum and Kevin Durant on that last spot. And I hinted at this before. I don't know how to get around that Tatum is logged 2,700 plus minutes to Durant's 1,800 plus. That's like a huge gap for me. And I think I'm leaning Tatum because of that. But Kevin Durant has been the Nets. Without Harden and Kyrie on the floor, our outscoring opponents by over 11 points per 100 possessions with Kevin Durant in those lineups. So we basically agree that Tatum is locked. Then. I wrote him down first. I don't think he's a lock because I could I consider LeBron. LeBron is the uh, other I one. I don't
0: think there's a case for LeBron here. Like I get it because he's he might win there's the not, scoring title. Him?
1: Oh no, you made it Durant and Tatum.
0: Yeah. Okay. So like LeBron has a very good chance to win the scoring title if he plays enough games. I, I think. With the Thunder on the schedule, someone tweeted this out, and I forget who, like, there's a real chance for, like, that David Robinson 71-point game at the end of the season kind of thing. Just, like, the sheer stat stuffing that is going to happen. But that's kind of what I feel this season has been, is that he's put up ridiculous individual numbers that have not made this team better. in every year, like, he's had worse supporting cast than this, that he has dragged to better records than this. And it really feels like a lot of his production – has not come in a way that floats this Lakers team in the right direction. I'm not saying LeBron has been like a problem for LA or isn't making the team better with his production and all that. But at the same time like he's not making people better because he is, you know, taking these these possessions where he commandeers the ball for much of it and then scores or seeking out his own shot and staying in games a little longer than he should to rack up some big numbers and the defensive effort just clearly has not been there on way too many possessions. So I have trouble squaring away just how disastrously bad this Lakers team has been like worse than tanking teams during the second half of the season while he's been on this scoring binge to want to reward those individual numbers here.
1: That really seems like an oversimplification of what he's done. This man is averaging over 30 points. Over six assists per game. And I would argue he's taking on that scoring burden or whatever you want to... He's inflating his numbers by necessity because who else is going to do it? Anthony Davis has seldom been available. But to what this. end? Okay, LeBron is shooting his the highest two, uh, the second highest two-point percentage of his career. He's been
0: really good as an individual. I'm, I'm in no way denying that.
1: Right, and the Lakers are better with him on the court despite you saying that he doesn't elevate the team. By how much? They're 3.5 points per 100 possessions better. Which pushes them to what? Uh, that, I don't have that pulled up in front of me, but that's in the 73rd percentile of differentials. They've still lost the minutes LeBron has played this year. I want to ask you who has had the worst supporting cast this season. If you want to say it's Kevin Durant, I might listen to you. It could be Kevin Durant. It's that's- close.
0: I just, I feel like... I think you're being dismissive. All, I don't think you're wrong. I'm, I, I, mean, I have LeBron on my third team. So, like, I am recognizing what he has done, at least to some extent. But if we're reward... Like, all NBA, to me, is about rewarding the people who had the best season. It's not a reputation-based award. It's not a who scored the most points award. It's about who provided the most value to their team. Do you have LeBron James ahead of Kevin Durant and Jason Tatum in an MVP ballot?
1: probably not Jason Tatum, but Jason Tatum is also the other name that I put on this. I'm going to look at the minutes played and I guess LeBron only has like a 200 minute edge on Kevin Durant. Yeah. This season, it's kind of an interesting quandary there, but I can To me
0: this is Durant versus LeBron. <sighs> I don't know, man. Although I'll be honest, to me it's actually it's actually Durant versus my other 13 forward because
1: LeBron was the last forward to make it for me. So, I think I'm going to I'm gonna settle mine on I think LeBron and KD for my second team.
0: Really? Tatum, so LeBron over Tatum.
1: Look, Tatum's case to me has been fueled more so by a midseason turnaround. And I you have to recognize that not for him, but the Celtics specifically, I will recognize too that the Celtics are killing opponents when he plays without Jalen Brown. That matters as well. It, I'm not, I can't discount what LeBron has done. Maybe I'm sort of grandfathering in LeBron's reputation too much, and I I, I. I promise
0: you that I'm not trying to discount what he's done. So much as like give it the contextualization, I think it's been
1: lacking this season. But so here's my thing: is that what what else would you like LeBron to do in LA? Based at least what try
0: to play defense.
1: He did for the first part of the season, but it became clear this team sucked. So the response
0: to the team sucking he is, he's also is to stop playing defense and just score all the points that don't a, matter.
1: He's also stepped up and played center and point guard basically during so long of these stretches. What specifically one AD was out. I don't think you can discount that he has is the roster, his fault. You could make that argument. If you're going to penalize him there, that's fine. But we're talking about someone who might win the scoring title while being as efficient inside the arc as he's ever been while also getting to the rim less. So he is hitting, yeah, if you want to, you know, if you're going to, even his three-point percentage is above league average. It's at like 36%. So I don't know what you're, if you really think that those are all empty calorie, empty calorie numbers, that is the- I don't think
0: all of them are. I, I, I think if you could factor out garbage time scoring, then it would look a lot worse. Because there have been a bunch of games where the Lakers are down 30- with no chance of winning and then LeBron scores 15 points and they still have no chance of winning.
1: I th- I think that's really fair. Again, I just feel like you're being, ugh, I'm just even looking, the Lakers are losing the minutes.
0: The funny thing is like, I know that I'm going to come off as this like LeBron hater in this episode, which is just totally antithetical to what I've been throughout his entire career.
1: I'm just, look, He's done. He's put up these numbers efficiently, and I'm looking. I'm just. I'm laughing. Because I'm looking at these numbers. The Lakers are getting slaughtered when LeBron plays without Russ too. Uh, he is fifth in value over a replacement player. Jason Tatum is sixth. Kevin Durant is eighth. I don't think that you can go wrong with any combination. That is the least sexiest take of all time. I get it. I'm gonna go with LeBron and Durant and value what I think are the better players right now because I'm. I am. I have a problem with the Durant and that, versus.
0: That's the best argument you've made so far.
1: I the the thing that's turning it for me is if I was going to put Durant on the third team because of playing time, I still would probably keep LeBron on second team. But I, to I'm, me, like Tatum's season has mattered,
0: and LeBron's, except for what it's going to do to the record books, has not to the same, at least not to the same extent. I just. Like if if I'm ranking my forwards, Tatum was three, Durant was four, LeBron was six. Then I really waffled between six and seven.
1: I just I think Tatum has more to work with, and I really just believe that. I'm sure. not
0: one hundred percent.
1: And when you get into the value to the team, he's probably going to be put above LeBron in a lot of those discussions. And maybe even that I'm just too much of a coward in waiting like team success there. But I do think he's been the much better defender this season because LeBron has certainly turned that off. I also can't discount in this discussion, I still think LeBron is the better player. He's cleared over 2,000 minutes this season. He's competing for the scoring title while... I can't
0: help but think, like, if you could remove his name from this, and it was John Smith who is averaging 31 points a game for a massively disappointing below 500 team, we're talking about John Smith like we used to talk about Monte Ellis.
1: Okay, well, here's my thing. Let's talk about John Smith in the context of thirty plus points, six plus assists per game on sixty-one nine true shooting.
0: Yeah, great individual numbers for a way below five hundred team that is about to be eliminated from play-in tournament contention.
1: But wouldn't you look? You have to look at the context of those teams. Is my point? Is oh, it, I know. Who's, who's uh, I'm trying Lakers, to. Re, re, but, Lakers, that goes, but that, that goes, goes both ways.
0: That goes both ways.
1: Who's the Lakers' third best player? There isn't one. Seriously, who's the Lakers' third best player? Or. Even better. How many? How Probably many Russ still? How many? No. How many? Of, how many of? <laughs> Wait, really? Are you sure? How many Celtics aside from Jason Tatum? Yep. Are you taking before the Lakers' third best player, whoever you think? Almost of. all of them. <laughs> <laughs> That matters to me. It does.
0: It it does. It's it's always one of those conversations that's so difficult to have. Because I'm a firm believer that team quality really shouldn't impact the MVP conversation. But that goes away to an extent. Like, I'm not trying to sit here and argue that Trey Young belongs in the MVP conversation this year. Some of, like, our, our RPR MVP predictor at NBA Math has him in the top six. And if anyone asks, I'll be like, yeah, that's too high. Subjectively, I would have him lower. Because this team is not good. It should be, but it's not. And to a certain extent, like, I think that you can, you can forget about the delineations between, like, the top six teams, the top seven teams. That's an arbitrary number. Throw it out. You know, good teams, great teams, all that stuff. But when you're, when you're down in the gutter where the Lakers have been, where every narrative is negative, I don't know. Like, that has to matter. Because that's, that's part of the season. And yeah, like he's had nothing to work with. But it feels like there was a better way to use his talents this year. Like We've seen, we've seen LeBron James in the past make so many random role players in Cleveland look like they were good NBA players. Where has that been? Like you, you, you can't, you can't Who, look at this. But you, I mean, you, Talon Horton Tucker, Talon Horton Tucker has had a terrible year. But you're telling me that like 2012 LeBron wouldn't have turned him into something useful?
1: I mean, Talon Horton Tucker's actually probably come on a little bit. I'm just, this is not like you. This is this is this personal. isn't like. Would LeBron have taken this team? Like, first of all, you're talking about an Eastern Conference in 2012. That's drastically different than a Western Conference in 2022. The other thing is just like there was some competency on even the worst LeBron rosters. Like uh, Zdravosokauskas was there, and I'm just like, we don't need to compare age 34 LeBron to age 24 LeBron.
0: Oh, sure, it's not a fair comparison at all. But I'm just, I'm just saying, like he has. That skill set, like his passing acumen has not declined, except the willingness to do that has changed a little bit. Because to me, like I've watched these Lakers games recently and I don't get the impression that LeBron is out there trying to win. I mean, to some extent, sure. Like he obviously wants to win games, but it doesn't seem like the the primary priority right now. It seems like he's accepted that this Lakers team is not going anywhere. He's going to go get his. He's going to chase down Kareem in the record books. He's going to try to win the scoring title at age 37. And I just, I've seen, you would think, given LeBron's competitiveness, you know the quote about how he's having the time of his life and stuff? Like, I'm sure that that wasn't entirely like true because this team has just been so tumultuous and turmoil-filled. But I would think, given the competitive nature I've seen from LeBron throughout his career, that if this Lakers team was on the verge of missing the play-in tournament, then he's going to lock down on defense. And I've seen more and more possessions in the second half of the season where he stands there and watches the action and throws his hands up in the air. That, to me, is not the mentality that I, I would expect to see from him if the, if the biggest goal was like, let's get this team in the playoffs at all costs. Maybe if, Durant is, maybe if uh, Davis is healthy, we can make some noise because I'm still that good there's I just, just feel- been there's just been this 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 air of fatalism to some extent for this team and and I'm going to hold that against him here.
1: I just feel like if you're going to do that you need to be more consistent with it and he shouldn't be on one of your all NBA teams. Well, at a certain point, the individual
0: numbers matter. The difference And they still do. I mean, like I again, like I have him on my third team, but if we're comparing him, again, like the primary comparison here is Tatum and Durant. And Durant has had a disappointing Brooklyn Nets season with shifting personnel and questionable availability. And what's held him back are injuries. And when he's been on the floor, he's playing his ass off and he's putting up massive numbers in meaningful games. And when they're losing their tight losses and overtime losses and Tatum, his
1: ascension, you're, are you complimenting Kevin Durant based on losses to the Charlotte Hornets? Is that what's happening? It's right not
0: now? ideal, but at least they're close, <laughs> and they're not thirty-point blowout losses to
1: random teams. Give him LeBron supporting Cass, and let's see where he is. Would be would, would I be think like it'd be that. better? They wouldn't. They just they wouldn't because LeBron's offensive usage is so necessary, and it's just so on a different scale. And even the comparison for me is: if you want to use Tatum, you want to use. Uh, Durant as well. Like LeBron is 11th in total offensive workload percentage per ball index, which is just a more accurate gauge of the, uh, um, the meaningfulness behind a player's usage. Jason Tatum is 28th. I didn't look at what Kevin Durant's was just because it was way lower than LeBron's just because I'm not, that's not the debate for me. The fact that his role is so much more central to the Lakers offense. And if you have a problem with Tatum's that, it's also
0: been a defensive stud though. What's that? Tatum's also been a defensive stud.
1: Okay, but his offense is so, like, if you're going to... Tatum has been better defensively. I don't really think that that's up for debate. But I'm also of the mind that, like, someone who's so central to the offense, like, that is going to be more valuable than someone who is the third best defender on his team. Awesome. Right. So, I I don't have a problem with what you did. I just find that logic to be a little bit inconsistent with why wiring you on your NBA team at all if you're going to play because, the favorite. Because
0: oh. I think that to me, it's when you're comparing him to Tatum and Durant, what they've done for better teams and their skill level supersedes what he's done. And then we get into the conversation where, like the the final three for me, or really the final four, were Jimmy Butler, DeMar DeRozan, LeBron, and Pascal Siakam. So we're then comparing against just a lower tier of player, and it, it, it's not an insult to Siakam and those other guys, I'm in no way trying to dismiss what they've done, but the comparison is different. And at that point, the ridiculous individual production can outweigh the more meaningful minutes. But when we're talking about Tatum and Durant, two guys who like are on the periphery of the MVP discussion, I don't think it's, I don't think it's the same conversation. So it doesn't feel inconsistent to me so much as we're comparing him to a different tier.
1: I guess I find it interesting that you have Tatum just so much closer to a Kevin Durant than you would a Pascal Siakam or a Jimmy I Butler. Th- I mean,
0: I think that Tatum moved into like potentially the top five of the MVP conversation for a stretch here in the second half before Booker just went off and kind of replaced him there. And the same of Luca. I mean, I- I'm looking at like the-, the RPR MVP predictor here, and Tatum is currently fourth. He trails only the three obvious candidates,
1: right? But what is so? I guess I'm trying. I'm I'm finding out. You seem to be very much penalizing LeBron for just the Lakers' record. I guess is what I'm taking away from this. That's like the lack of influence on the
0: on the Lakers' record because I just I view I view some of this individual production as empty.
1: That is. That is certainly a choice. I guess that's all I have to say there. So I'm settling on Durant and LeBron for my second team ones. Uh, Who are your second team guards?
0: Well, we answered how we're going to extend this one.
1: (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Second team guards, I had Steph and Jock. I had had Steph and Chris Paul. Uh, Paul's going to wind up playing more minutes. He is ridiculous. I think John Moran actually leads the NBA in crunch time scoring per appearance, but Chris Paul has been like just a crunch time killer. Uh and just what he's done, I know his numbers don't jump off the page, but he's been lights out from mid-range again. Like I said, he gives maybe because he has to, that's the way he plays, he gives Phoenix his offense its shape and structure. I think the fact that he's going to end up, you know, playing uh, substantially more minutes by the end of this season. We don't know if we're going to see John Moran again before the playoffs. We might, but he, he still has like a 200-minute lead as we're even recording this. That's with him missing some time. Uh, but yeah, I mean, Steph seemed like a should be a second-team lock. I know people kind of made light of his MVP case that wasn't as he went through that slump. We're kind of seeing now the level of value there is in just having him on the floor by him not being on the floor for Golden State.
0: Yeah, I w- I was actually closer to having John ja Morant on first team than Steph, honestly, just because of that that shooting slump. Um, and I think to me, part of the All NBA conversation, and maybe this is why we have that LeBron discrepancy, is the story of the season too. And I just I don't think you can tell it without Morant this year because he, even when he hasn't been on the floor for Memphis, like that influence is still felt because of how much he's been able to empower his teammates. And you've also said like, you don't look at availability quite as much in all NBA as you do in MVP.
1: I agree with that. The Grizzlies have been killing people without John Morant. And so like, how do you detect John? I'm not saying they're not better off without John Morant. I want to make that clear. No, 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 for sure. No, I'm I'm saying
0: that I think, I think there's been a lot of empowerment there. Just him giving that whole team confidence.
1: You are placing so much weight in like the, the ethereal. I am in
0: this. I am. am, especially in a weird season like this.
1: That is, that's interesting. I don't think that it's wrong. That's just it's interesting because I don't know how you can look at what John ja Steph has done, have done, and think that Jaw is clearly the the better player. I guess. Well, I didn't say that. You're saying he's the better player this season by putting. If you're considering put you if you're if you were gonna put him on first team above Steph, you are saying that he was the better player this season.
0: He. I think he's had the better season. I don't think that he's the better player.
1: You're saying that he's had been the better player than this season. How do you have the better season than by having? If it's because of team, because if you if
0: you switch their, I mean, if you switch their roles, the that's that's kind of how I answer the the best player in a vacuum question. They're slightly different to me, but regardless, like I think what Morant has done in Memphis it has just been utterly ridiculous because it it gave the Grizzlies. That life that they needed to thrive, even without him on the floor. Just, I, I don't think that you, you get that, that same. I mean, watching Memphis this year has been watching a team play with unbridled confidence, regardless who's of who's on the floor. And I don't think that that happens without that reckless, freewheeling version of Ja Morant. Does that make any sense?
1: No, I don't think I've cool. ever disagreed with like a, an approach you've had more to just, just to be quite <laughs> honest. It's just so wild to me. Uh, I think there's a case to be made. For, well, we both he was. I think there's a case that he belongs on second team. I don't think it's over like a Steph Curry case to me at this point. It's just where I would I would be at if it's over CP3. I'm I'll defer to you and say you're right. Like that's there's certainly a case there. His when you look at the numbers too, what hurt CP3. Advanced metrics still love him, but like John Morant, someone who's going to average 20 plus points per game, do all this stuff that makes highlights where it's CP3, who's very much like, yeah, I'm going to be rock solid defensively, set up my teammates. Both like,
0: ridiculous and crunch time, too.
1: Right. And so, and this, I mean,
0: this is why this, I feel like a lot of these differences get magnified because it seems like there's this like first team all NBA sounds so much better than second team all NBA to use one of your phrases, we're splitting already thrice split hairs. To me, like these, we're trying to make these mountains out of molehills just to explain the differences. They're so small. That's the biggest thing.
1: I'm, I'm not. Yeah. I'm, I'm totally with you. I get like, we're getting hung up on just whatever. I'm just, I'm even looking at the numbers between Steph and John. I guess I just don't, I'm not sure. I just 100% understand it. Like Steph is the more efficient three-point shooter. He's shooting about the same on twos. The better free throw shooter. Um, they're very comparable with assists. I'm just defense is
0: a big difference though. I don't
1: this think this year in particular. I don't think there's a huge difference there at all. I think really? that's, I think, that's I, think way I think since
0: right. again since John returned from that first injury, I think there's been a pretty substantial difference. In like Steph's guy. always been that underrated defender for sure. Like Jaw's been better than that.
1: I, if jaw has been better defensively this season since coming back from his initial injury, I would agree to think that there's like this huge gap between the two based off their responsibilities. Um, I would disagree. I think John Morant's role is probably more streamlined on certain nights based off the talent he has around him. Um, but yeah, I'm just, it's look, that's your, I'm not even trying. I feel like I was being an asshole when I was saying that I don't agree with you. I don't think I've just ever disagreed with you more. I'm like, the approach to something, which I guess is good for podcasting. We were worried about banging this thing out in 20 minutes. <laughs> so third team, we are well, I'm
0: I'm not trying to be contrarian or anything. I, I feel like this year has been really difficult to evaluate statistically because we had that period, it's it feels like ages ago at this point, but we had that period where there was such limited availability that a lot of things got really thrown off in a way that can't be remedied for the whole year. So I found myself taking more of an anecdotal observation-based approach this year than I ever have before. And I think we're just seeing some of that come up right now.
1: And look, just to be clear, so that it doesn't make it look like I'm this giant asshat who's dismissing what you say, I have Jason Tatum in the top 10 of my MVP ballot, and neither Kevin Durant nor LeBron are on it, yet I just put Tatum on my third team All-NBA. Like I said, I'm waiting playing time a lot in that. See, to, to
0: me, it's harder to separate those two things. Like, I, I find myself defaulting to my MVP ballot when I place these because I don't view all NBA as just like, let's put the, the best players in a vacuum so much as the guys who've had the best season. And things that weigh into that MVP conversation weigh into that as well.
1: I think the difference is that I don't think you need to, where the MVP when you're talking about the value injected. There's a specific type of value mm. you're looking for. I don't think that value is as integral to the All NBA discussion where you can focus more on individual. Performance. I feel like
0: I'm. I feel like internally I'm consistent between those two, though. Where I do discredit once we reach a certain extent, but I don't like weigh. You know the the lack of team success heavy on the air quotes for those who aren't watching this on video with Jokic's Denver Nuggets versus Giannis's Milwaukee Bucks. Like to me, that discrepancy is irrelevant is explained away by context. And then when we get to the Lakers, it's a different story.
1: And which I don't think there's a problem with that. I guess i just think you're ascribing too much value to the role that LeBron has played and where the Lakers are. It feels like his biggest fault is not being able to, help them escape a situation that they're not built to escape even with him. And if you want to, I, I would res- not respect that's wrong. I respect all your opinions. I'd probably understand more of what you're doing. If you're flat out just saying they wouldn't fucking be here if he didn't advocate for the Russell Westbrook trade. And I, I would understand that position more than the one that that's
0: I- a, that honestly doesn't play a part of it. It's, it's hard to explain. It's just like, I feel like he's propped up this year by the fact that he's, a 37 year old with a chance for the scoring title and like to him, me that doesn't matter
1: I called him age 34 before I made him younger I don't know why I called <laughs> him age 34 to
0: me like the age is irrelevant it makes it cooler it makes it more impressive it doesn't but, give him a better case but, but I feel so, like a lot of the value ascribed to LeBron has been like look what he's doing at this advanced age but yeah like an earlier version of LeBron a better version of LeBron is probably carrying this team I'm not comparing the two but I'm just saying like just because he can't lift this team doesn't mean that other players
1: couldn't you're so you're saying the Lakers of today would be better with Jason Tatum than LeBron James this season. Maybe absolutely. I won't even, I won't even entertain that. And what you also see, I don't, so you're saying that what he's doing can't be applied. If the Lakers were better, he wouldn't uplift them. Like that's my whole thing is like what LeBron is doing right now can absolutely translate. To a much better version of the Lakers. If the
0: if the Lakers around LeBron were better, I think the way he plays is better. I don't I don't think that LeBron really goes into a season trying to win the scoring title so much as trying to make the right play. And, and that's right now the
1: right play is scoring because no one that's around him can.
0: Is the right play triple clutching and then airballing a fadeaway three pointer when you could have passed the ball
1: to an open teammate? How many times has he done that in a
0: very pivotal
1: game? How many times has he done that though? Your anecdotally... Just, just the ones.
0: Just the ones that I can remember. But like, that's not a play that I remember like peak LeBron making.
1: Let's move on to third team because second <laughs> team took way too long. So, so just,
0: just to recap, I have Steph, John Morant, Jason Tatum, Kevin Durant, Carl Anthony Towns.
1: I have Steph, Chris Paul, LeBron. I made the Kevin Durant switch. I need to change that in my document. And Carl Anthony Towns.
0: That was so much time spent on such minor discrepancies.
1: <laughs> Third team, we both already know we have Rudy Gobert as, the and center, I have
0: right? I have Chris Paul and LeBron because I still respect what they're doing this year.
1: So we have Rudy Gobert as as the center, though. Is there a case yeah. for? Did you consider Bam over him at all?
0: Very briefly. I mean, it's it's tough because like usually Gobert is the the far and away favorite for defensive player of the year and all that, and he's really not this year. But he's still been pretty damn good on defense and. You know, his his offensive game, though limited, though a lower volume, is always so efficient. I mean, he's he's very good at what he does. What he does is inherently limited, but he excels in that role. And had Bam been available for the whole season, I think he's probably getting third team this year. But he's, gave, he wasn't, and he isn't.
1: <laughs> I gave Rudy Gobert that does more with less bump here. I don't agree with, I'm sure you saw that him or Joel Embiid or both of them just said, you know, perimeter players are responsible for one person or two things. I'm responsible for everyone. I don't think that's the case for every big man. I would point to DeAndre Ayton, who is very much a backline communicator, but because Mikhail Bridges exists, mm-hmm. he's going to give Phoenix's defense its form to me more than Ayton would. Rudy I also Gobert, don't think
0: it's fair to every perimeter player in today's NBA because there are so many switch-happy schemes that are difficult to pull off. See, Marcus Smart.
1: And yeah, my my point was... Rudy Gobert is responsible for everyone because the jazz have not given him any alternative other than to be responsible for yeah, everyone. Yeah. And I'm, that might undersell Royce Sony a little bit, but like, that's it. And Mike Conley is probably better defensively at this point than like Donovan Mitchell, which is a problem in and of itself. So that I disagreed with, but I had Rudy Gobert second. I might consider putting Giannis above him in the defensive player Year ballot. he's still in my top three because the jazz are elite defensively with non-elite talent around him for the most part when he is on the floor that drives his value here for me. And I don't have a problem saying that. If Bam had played more, maybe it's more of a conversation. He's been lighting it up on offense lately too. So he could be making, this might be the one that I think could change. When you look at the, the guards here, this became a little bit of a problem spot for me. I was, I have Trey Young and John Morant. You have Chris Paul and- And Trey Young. Okay. Uh, the, Trey is just so fucking good. He's oh my God.
0: ridiculous. Just this Hawks season has been, a disaster through and through, except for him. Imagine what this team would have been without Trey Young because his ability, I think what impresses me the most about Trey Young beyond the scoring explosions, beyond the passing, beyond the complete lack of defense is the way that he is able to improve throughout a game. It, it is, it's just unbelievably impressive how he diagnoses what a team is doing to stop him and adjust to it in the same game. Because I think a lot of times you see the best players, they dictate what happens and dominate from there. He takes a more passive aggro- approach at the start of the game, figures out the best way to exploit it, and then he exploits it. So that's why we see just... Audacious second half performance after second half performance, and why he's able to put up these 12 and 15 point fourth quarters in high leverage situations because he's figured out what the other team is doing to stop the Atlanta offense. And his ability to do that on a consistent basis throughout this season and even keep a Hawks team with so many disappointing performances and so many significant injuries in the mix for a play in spot in a competitive Eastern Conference has been really impressive.
1: The, uh, Rhett Bauer, longtime listener and, um, we DM a lot shout out to him pointed out when we were having the Ja Morant versus Trey discussion, he was surprised that you won pick jaw as as was I, and two that, neither of us mentioned that Trey Young's game is built to age so much better because of the types of shots yeah. he's hitting where a lot of s- for stuff for Ja is still predicated on his explosion. I echo everything you said there and there's the level of difficulty ascribed to his role It's somewhat on him. I really, and maybe the Hawks coaching staff, I would like to see him get in more actions away from the ball. Do they have the personnel to do that? And by that, I mean playmakers. They have the scores, but do they have the secondary playmakers? Probably not. So he's doing a lot of this by necessity. And this is just someone who is in the top five of both unassisted twos and unassisted threes, while also being in the top five of assists on three-pointers and then assists at the rim. He is one of the most valuable players in the game. I was trying to figure out a way, and I'm going to use this as the segue into the forwards, I was trying to figure out a way to get Pascal Siakam on here. And if I wasn't, if I was less of a coward, I'd probably have Pascal Siakam and Jason Tatum. I have Demar and Jason Tatum just because I looked at Siakam versus Demar. The conclusions I came to is it's closer than I think most people are going to think. When you, and I even, I was looking at their on-off splits. I was looking at how the Raptors performed when it was Siakam without Van Fleet versus DeRozan without um, Levine. Those performances were so similar. Siakam is so much clearly more valuable on defense but DeMar DeRozan is going to give you just as a lower turnover guy who can work within tighter spaces better. There's more mm-hmm. value to him on offense. What made the difference for me is that DeMar has been unreal in crunch time this year for the most part. He has won the Bulls probably an extra like five to 10 games just by being just a couple his, of game
0: winners, even beyond the, crunch time the time that he's drawing.
1: Um, they've outscored opponents by 55 points in crunch time with him on the court. That is a huge margin relative to, um, to just how how little of a small the minute sample size you're working with, that was the difference for me. I considered putting him at guard and leaving Trey Young off. I ultimately couldn't do that, and so Siakam was just. I think people are going to be like, "Oh, where's Donovan Mitchell?" Siakam was the tough one for me to leave off. So my th- my third team ends up sitting at John Morant, Trey Young, Siakam, um, Demar Derozan, Jason Tatum, and Rudy Gobert. I I feel terrible we ended up with, with the Siakam same fifteen there. people. Did we? I yeah, didn't even, we did. wasn't even paying attention to that. That's hysterical. We did.
0: My last point on Trey is that I do think that even though the Hawks aren't even guaranteed to be in the postseason proper, Trey Young can beat any team in a series. As bad as this Hawks team has been, I don't think you want to play Trey Young in the playoffs because if he catches fire, like this Hawks team could topple anyone in a in a in a seven game series.
1: I would say look what he did to the Knicks last year, but that's like not that's doesn't the mean anything. That is. Look at right. it, I mean. <laughs> they haven't. To, to I guess the argument you can make about if you wanted to put the Rosen as a guard and then put Siakam in here, I would listen because like the Raptors have been better with Siakam on the court than the Hawks have been with Trey ditto yeah. for the bulls with DeMar and stuff. But Trey's role is just so all encompassing. And like the efficiency doesn't get torpedoed by the fact mm-hmm. that he has to mm-hmm. take these shots and is responsible for so much of the playmaking where I think that, with Siakam, he just has more outlets and can, can be more deferential. And I would argue in certain situations, Toronto prefers him to be more deferential. We've seen it with the way they've tried to groom Scottie. Bar- like they've run part of their crunch time offense through Scotty Barnes at points. That's just Trey doesn't have that luxury. Right. Have the, exactly. The Zach Levine, like they don't have that second best player there. Yep. So yep. even Siakam off hurts. Would you it have considered? Does. Would you have considered him over Demar though? Like that was the choice that came down to for me, and I couldn't do it.
0: No, I didn't really. Um, I, I think one of the biggest mistakes that people make in analysis at this point of the season is forgetting that every game matters the same. That a win in October is the same as a win in April, even if it feels different because of the stakes at the end of a year. Like if you've gotten the wins early, then you don't need the win at the end. So I think that we have devalued the torrid run. The DeMar DeRozan was on in the first quarter of the season oh, where he was like a legitimate MVP front runner at that premature stage of the season, putting up scoring numbers, literally not seen since Michael Jordan on jaw dropping efficiency numbers in a way that is typically anathema to the way that the NBA operates today. So he had like that narrative element, the statistical who's, element, the winning elements
1: of the MVP debate for the longest time too.
0: Yeah. So I think, I think we forget about that. And because of that, like, no, I was close to putting Siakam over LeBron. And I just, I couldn't do
1: it. I would have respected that by the way, just based off everything you
0: said. It was, it was legitimately close, he, but ultimately like it comes, it came down not to keep relit- relitigating this, but I was comfortable dropping LeBron below Durant and Tatum because of their roles on those teams. And as you just said, like the Raptors are running crunch time stuff through Scotty Barnes. So Siakam has been an all NBA caliber player, but I just, I couldn't justify that because at that point, I think the LeBron has been on a team that hasn't been any good. That argument loses a little bit of its luster when you're comparing it to a guy who has been really fucking good, but has not been carrying a team.
1: I have a final question for you before we get out of here. Let's say... Well, I have my fourth and fifth team to go over, too. Well, there's honorable mentions, but first, (laughs) I have to ask you, let's say that the NBA made LeBron or Siakam, because this would impact either of them, eligible at center. And look, if Hmm. they're going to make Embiid and Jokic eligible at forward, let's say they made one of them eligible at center, would you have put either of them over Rudy Gobert, which then would have allowed Siakam? Yeah,
0: I would end up having Siakam and LeBron
1: on that final third team spot. I think I'm with you. Yeah. So that's something, that'll be something to look for. I don't think Siakam. It's still, not going to happen. It's it's not, it won't happen even if he's eligible. I'm curious to see if he would be eligible. And I, I'm, I'm almost, I would have to look at it, but I feel like LeBron might've played more center this year than, than Siakam. Yeah. Anecdotally anyway. So Honorable mentions. You have two teams worth of, so why don't you go through yours? Because I'm I, sure that there's just overlap. Like if Before
0: a, before we do that too, I feel like I need to say that like LeBron has influenced how I watch basketball and think about basketball more than any other player of my lifetime. Like I, I have been such a huge fan of his throughout his career and have literally written articles about why I think he's the best basketball player ever, even if he might not necessarily topple Michael Jordan as the goat. So like, this is hard for me to say, I don't, Make any of these decisions or picks to be inflammatory or to like provoke a response. Like I just, I had trouble putting him any higher than this.
1: Yeah, way to walk back an entire podcast if you're just shitting all over the goat. Congratulations, <laughs> you're just not going to let me have that. No, I'm not. But cool. Uh, like I said, cool. I respect everything you say. I've just never fundamentally disagreed <laughs> with of yours,
0: and that's fine. That's fine. Can so uh, we
1: make a fourth team, or am I allowed to give you my? Yeah. Since you have a fifth team, sure. My fourth team would have been Donovan Mitchell at guard, along with the. This is this was what agonized it for me. Is like, do we make Jimmy Butler eligible as a guard? We do not. I don't, I don't. I didn't. I went Donovan Mitchell, Dejounte Murray, Jimmy Butler, Pascal Siakam, and Bam Adebayo would have We're been the exact
0: team. same fourth team.
1: Brandon Ingram was tough for me to leave off mm. of this one. If I'm going okay. to leave my fifteen, but please carry on.
0: My fifth team, because I had the exact same fourth, was Fred Van Vliet, Darius Garland, Brandon Ingram, Jalen Brown,
1: and Jared Allen. So, no Robert Williams III, your defensive player of the year.
0: Yeah, no Robert Williams III. Uh, didn't make one of your five all NBA teams. Wow. Doesn't I mean, do enough on offense for that.
1: That's, that's totally fair enough as I kicked the charger out of the wall. It was I, really
0: hard to leave Zach Levine off all of those.
1: Yeah, who it was your was fifth team again? Fifth team was Fred
0: Van Vliet. Darius Garland, Jalen Brown,
1: Brandon Ingram, and Jared Allen. I didn't know what to do, so it ultimately came down when I was just building my fourth team, because I think you could get into this if you were building any team. Like, oh, we went to seventh team, but there was still a decision you had to make. The Donovan Mitchell versus Van Fleet versus DeJounte Murray discussion was really difficult. for See, to me,
0: me, DeJounte Murray was was the first. He and Siakam and Butler were like the unabashed locks for my fourth team. I, I thought about... DeJounte Murray versus Trey Young for a second before deciding it wasn't actually much of a debate. Um, so it was, it was more Donovan Mitchell versus Fred Van Vliet was my toughest fourth team decision.
1: And it's just, I feel, I feel like I'm like, like discounting what Fred Van Vliet has done. This is just right. so hard. It feels
0: bad. Yeah. It, it's so difficult. And as you said, like we had this, no matter how deep we go, like no matter where you cut it off, there's a tough exclusion.
1: Well, this was awesome and definitely not, I don't know what this podcast is going to clock in at when we're done. Definitely not 30 <laughs> minutes like we were worried about. Uh, Oops, well sorry all about that. All defense and all rookies. That will be a podcast we do next week at some point. We'll see if those are more streamlined or not. Please remember to rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast wherever you get your podcasts. We're everywhere. Follow up, subscribe to us on YouTube. Join our Discord channel. Links are in the podcast description. Follow us on Instagram, TikTok, and Twitter. Links are in the podcast description. Yes, we are on TikTok. Until next time, leave you with a shout out to the one, the only. Would have made my fifth team All NBA if I went that far. Frankie Ntilikina.